Great American Rap Resurrection Rest in peace, Young Ass Pour live on the set What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Turn the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Will Parkinson, at WillPaw11 on Twitter, joined by a very special guest, formerly of WFAN, now of The Ringer, New York, New York podcast, John Jaskramski. How's everything going today, John? Will, thanks for having me, bro. I'm fired up to be on. I'm glad that we have made this happen, and uh, all's good, bro. A couple weeks from the draft, first week uh, of podcasts are in the books. Very, very happy with the first week, and... uh, Away we go, my man. Yeah, dude. It's uh, I feel like it's it's an exciting time. You're doing the you're doing the tour right now. Everyone's uh, you know, trying to trying to get you on. You've been on Simmons' show. I you know you had Tannenbaum on this morning. I saw you're on Jake Asman, my good buddy, here on his show. It's you're doing the rounds right now. It's probably an exciting time in uh, in you know, in JJ's land. Yeah, I mean, listen. When you start a new venture, you have to get your name out there. Not that you know, I'm worried about that sort of stuff, Will, but. Look, I want people to be aware. I was at, you know, a radio station for nine years. I had a great run there. Uh, but when Bill Simmons comes to call him, man, what an opportunity. There are just certain people in the business that you don't say no to under any circumstances. <laughs> he is one of those guys. So I'm fired up about it. I, I think the listener interaction has been great. Um, I love the fact that we had some breaking news on Monday and we had to kind of shift our plans and adjust accordingly. And I'm glad you mentioned Mike Tannenbaum. I know you have a Jet podcast. He was great. And listen, I know his Jet tenure was very up and down. But you think about the last 10 years for the Jets. The last time the Jets were any good, Mr. T and Rex Ryan were running the team back in what, 2009, 2010. So, yeah, I enjoyed that conversation a bunch. And I highly recommend it if you're getting ready for the draft and you want to hear some old war stories with uh, those old Jet teams. Now it's interesting. I was a little caught off guard when he said Kotri, letting Kotri go is his biggest biggest mistake because I would have I would have probably put Tebow up there, but that like no. Well, he, he did. Yeah. I don't know if you noticed that though. Well, he did throw Tebow in, and I had to ask him. I said, "Listen, you could be honest with me. Was that the owner basically getting in the way, saying I want Tim Tebow to sell newspapers, to do this, to do that?" Uh, he didn't say no. I don't know if you noticed yeah, that. That he was definitely, definitely a yes. No. That was, I want to save my reputation and not uh, spill the secrets. But knowing Woody, I'm sure that was a, there's no way Tannenbaum was like, let's just bring in Tim Tebow, the circus that uh, that caused. But no, it's a lot of interesting stuff. I've, I've been really, uh, and I've been hitting a lot of Yankee games. I'm fully vaxxed now. I'm ready to go and try to get to this. There you go, man. There yeah, you go. And it's weird. Listen, it's, it's very different than, you know, 45,000 people cramming in and, you know, Billy's being hopping and Stan's being hopping. Even though if you go outside the game, they got like the outdoor tables at Billy's and they got, you know, the, the dance music is still like at a crazy high decibel. So I'm looking forward to getting back in there at some point and breaking it down and maybe shaking it a little bit. <laughs> but um, dude, listen, it's, it, it's definitely weird going to a game, but it sure beats not going at all. You know, like I, I'll take 20 or whatever it is, 10,000 people over me watching every single game at home last year, which sucked. Yeah, last year, I just threw out a lot of the 2020 season of a lot of stuff. Not that they don't count. It's more so just you have to put an asterisk next to it. It's totally different from every single perspective of the sport. And it's funny you mentioned Billy's like the 2019 playoffs. I think I went to every single home game. Not, And I was like, I don't know why I had this. I was like, I want to get to get to every game just so you never know what could happen. If they go on a run here, it'd be cool to say I went to every game. And then looking back, 
that we didn't get to go to one game last year. It's, it's totally oh, you different. made you made the most of it, dude. You made yeah. the most of it. Yeah, I've definitely dude, I'm spent a lot of money in Billy's. <laughs> hey, I know, I know. And listen, game five after the Astros, the the Hicks game and the Paxton game. I remember I basically like closed down Billy's that night. I was like, this might be the last time we're going. This might be the last time I'm going to Yankee Stadium this year. I'm making the most of it. Little did I know it'd be over a year plus, almost two years till I get back. Crazy. It's that it's that when DJ hit that home run, I'm like, they're winning the World Series. There's no chance they don't win. And then 15 minutes later, I was just lying on the floor, depressed. Yeah, so. very cool. Very, very cool. <laughs> um, but no, in terms of the Jets, obviously, early in the week, um, everyone knows I'm a big Sam Darnold guy, but obviously Sam, you know, um, you know, is moving on to Carolina. They got some good draft capital based on, you know, the value of where things were at with Sam and teams, you know, teams bringing in veteran quarterbacks and things like that, getting a two, a four and a six overall, I think is probably realistic at this point. And what was the best they were going to get? What'd you make of the trade? Do you think like first part, do you think it's a good fit for the jets and for Sam? And then B were you, I think you were more so like, let's move on just based on the contract and things like that. If I'm not, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think you nailed it. First of all, I think it's the best thing for both parties. I think it's the best thing for Sam Donald and his career and where it could go from here. I don't think he was ever going to have the success here with the Jets. He was always going to be looking over his shoulder. Uh, the contract stuff coming up. It's not all Darnold's fault. Okay, he didn't play great here. And he's got to take some onus and some accountability for that. He was also put well in a god-awful situation. I mean, a couple of different head coaches a couple of different offensive coordinators, not having great skill position players around them. So it's not all Jets. It's not all Darnold. It's kind of a combination of the two. But the queen break to me is necessary. I think with Matt Rule and Joe Brady and his old buddy Robbie Anderson, I wouldn't be shocked if Sam Darnold played effective football with Carolina next year. I'm not saying he will never be, let's put it this way, a top five quarterback in the sport. I, I, I don't think he's going to be that guy. Can he have a similar career arc, maybe, to Ryan Tannehill after Ryan Tannehill left the Miami Dolphins, left Adam Gaze, found his way to Tennessee, and played good football where, yeah, he's a borderline top 10 quarterback. That wouldn't shock me with Sam. But for the Jets, look, this is perfect. New coach, second pick. You're basically restarting the franchise. That's why I like this. Second pick. Go get Zach Wilson. Go build around him properly. Don't make the mistakes you Jays did with Sam Darnold and see where the franchise can go from here. It's pretty funny. Obviously, if the listeners don't know, but you're obviously a Dolphins fan and you had to deal with Gase for three years. And then now it's like, and then all of a sudden he comes to New York. Now you have to cover him for three years. Well, think about this, though, Will. He was up and down with the Dolphins. He also took the Dolphins to the playoffs. So I have seen, like, Joe Philbin was the worst coach. You know, I, I, I Cam Cameron was a disaster, and he won one game in, you know, one season with the fans. As mediocre as Gase was in Miami, I never in a million years thought he'd be as bad as he was with the Jets. But, yes, it was kind of weird in a way to watch my old coach go to a division rival and do – basically a thousand times worse. That's basically what it boiled down to. It was just, it's weird looking back at, you know, I, I definitely think Sam has to be at fault, especially for last year. I thought he just between 
the beginning of the year didn't play well and the shoulder injury that there's all these different things happening. It just, it kind of was a full circle disaster. And I, I get why, you know, moving on made the most sense if I'm being unbiased about like not liking him. I'm just like outside point of view, probably the best thing for both parties. But I agree with you at the same time where now you have Wilson's going to be in his first year. Sal will be in his first year. Douglas still has four years left on his deal. The Jets have basically zero expectation now, which is a good thing for the team, which I think they don't handle expectation well, generally speaking, other than maybe 2010 where they came back and were good. So I, I just want to see improvement. I want to see people play hard. I want to see competence because at the end of the day, that's what you always lack. Even the good Jets teams, you're like waiting for it to fall apart. And if they can just be like a stable organization for a couple of years, it'll start to change the way people around the league and in the city look at the Jets, I think. Well, and you got to start drafting and developing guys that are going to be here. And look, you're not going to hit on every single draft pick. I don't care how smart and how good an organization you are, you whiff on picks. But the hope is you got a bunch of them. If you can hit it, I don't know, 50%, 60%, that's how you get good. Um, yeah, you got to hit on the quarterback. Kind of goes from there. But can you get a diamond in the rough maybe on defense? Can you find, you know, an under-radar skill position player that has a chemistry with the new quarterback? And you don't build teams through free agency. I, I, I say it all the time. You complement teams through free agency. So that's been the biggest problem for the Jets over the last decade. They've done a miserable job of drafting. They've had some terrible moves over the years. Now Joe Douglas got a chance to kind of clean the slate, get it right. So – I actually think the Jets are in a very good spot. I, I, I wouldn't put the expectations out of whack. I think you got to be kind of reasonable with where they're at. But they seem to be a team that's kind of moving in that right direction. It's a good place to be. Yeah, no, it's interesting. Everyone always is like, oh, the Jets have all this cap space. And it's like the teams that never have cap space are the Steelers, the Packers, the Ravens, some of these teams that – Oh, I wonder why, because they're actually paying their guys they drafted. That's how you get good. The Patriots used to that all the time. Of course, they weren't signing guys because Brady and Vince Wilfork and Richard Seymour getting, and Sante Samuel are getting paid. And the Jets always have cap space because the guys are never there longer than three years, four years. Mate. Like, I won't buy a jersey this year until I'm convinced somebody's going to be here. Yeah, I think, and trust me, I've gone down that road with the Dolphins where it's like, well, whose jersey am I going to get? It's why, bro, you can never go wrong with, like, the throwback Wayne Corbett for you or the uh, Joe Namath jersey. And for me, like, the Marino jersey, even though I did, I, I do have a couple of eggs in the Tua basket. I did actually take the plunge and buy the Tua jersey last year. Uh, knocking on wood right now, hoping that will be a good decision for uh, the next couple of years. But, yeah, man, we have, uh, we've had some bad luck with uh, guys that we think might be good, safe jersey picks. And then two years later, they're off the team. Well, one year later, they're off the team. Not ideal. Obviously, um, in terms of the AFC East, the quarterbacks, other than Josh Allen, are kind of all up in the air. You're going to have Zach Wilson come in. He's going to have a lot of hype around him. I think he could be a really good prospect. I like Fields a lot as well. I thought they could both be successful. It looks like Wilson's going to be a pick. Um, but two is the biggest question mark, I think, in the division, just because the Patriots might make a move here in the draft or – cam you're gonna pray cam's even 75 percent of old cam do you like how are you feeling about Tua? because i feel like everyone's so split i don't love Tua, but i also feel like it's unfair for of after eight games to be like this guy sucks but also to be like he's he look you can't be overly confident after watching what he did last year right it's kind yeah, of yeah listen i think that's fair will he didn't have a great rookie year now he didn't have a terrible rookie year i mean he had a winning record he was able to go to arizona and beat arizona 
beat Bill Belichick, which no rookie quarterback finds a way to do. So there are positives, but didn't throw the deep ball well enough, didn't push the offense enough. I thought in many ways they kind of handcuffed him with the way they kind of drew up the offense. It was like, all right, we have a rookie quarterback. We don't want him to screw it up. So we're going to have this conservative type of game plan. And it was obvious. You could tell that was the approach from the offensive coordinator, Changeli, and whatnot. They got Will Fuller, who could stretch the field now. They're going to go get another playmaker with the sixth pick in the draft. I don't know if it's going to be um, Jamar Chase or Kyle Pitts or Devontae Smith. They're going to go get another guy to go and help him. By the end of this year, you got to see significant and sizable improvement. And listen, I fully admit, I was all aboard the Tua over Herbert train. If you watched him in college, it wasn't close. Tua was the better player. I got to own the fact that last year, even though the record for Tua was better than the record for Herbert, Herbert looked a lot better. Herbert, listen, could make every throw, mobile. I, I get it. Right now, I'm taking an L. I'm well aware of that. It's also eight games into a career for Tua, and it's one season. So you don't want to go nuts. But by the end of this year, sizable, significant improvement. That's what I need to see. Yeah, see, I'm pretty proud of, like, my Herbert takes. And I'm a Pac-12 guy, so I, like, watched Herbert over a long period. And I didn't think – it's weird because I think Tua could have gone anywhere, and he kind of – his career would kind of stay similar. Like, he's the player he's going to be, whereas Herbert – based on his personality, like never been out of the West Coast. The Chargers are a perfect environment. I know they're in L.A., but nobody really watches the Chargers comparatively to the Rams and USC and UCLA. So he was in that perfect environment where there was no pressure. He came into a really talented offense. So Herbert's really good, and it's not discounting him. I just think – Yeah, and, Will, that was one of my concerns, to be honest with you. Because he has that sort of very, you know, calm, cool, collective type of – If the Giants drafted – if he came out and the Giants took him instead of Daniel Jones, I don't – Herbert's obviously a much better talent, but I don't know how great he would have been just based on the market. In New York and in the market. And that was one thing I was looking for out of the quarterback. I needed an it factor about him. I needed a charisma about him. I saw that from Tua in college. I saw that from Burrow in college. I mean, Herbert had all the physical tools, but I wondered, does he have this it factor? And listen, last year in games, he did. He's still got to show over time, though, that he's going to be that guy that's going to bring teammates up and that's going to win a whole lot of games. It's great putting up the fantasy football numbers, but can you make the big plays in the big games? And he also was playing on a team that won nothing last year. Now, all of a sudden, people are going to look at the Chargers and they're going to say, can you go and win 9, 10, 11 games and take them to the playoffs? Yeah, the Chargers are back in that boat where I feel like the Phillip River years where all of a sudden now there's expectation and like they just never could get it done and they can never win that tough game that 17-14 like get stops not turn the ball over I know Rivers whatever that's a whole another argument but even those talented LT Rivers years they can never beat the Pats they can never get over the hump versus some of those good teams in the AFC West the Broncos and things like that so it'll be interesting too it's just a polarizing figure because he now you have this Mac Jones thing happening where guys oh Mac Jones was better you know X, Y, and Z I know those are their guys and you're always going to stick up for them but there's so many interesting kind of dynamics with the quarterbacks that are coming out. And then the young guys that are, you know, one, two years in, even the 2018 class, obviously the Bakers are polarizing and Sam and all these people. So it'll be interesting to see. I kind of like it though. Will. I got to be honest. I like the fact that Tua right now has got to deal with some serious adversity right out of the gate, because listen, in the NFL, not everything is going to be sunshine and lollipops, you know? So I like the fact that, you know, some people are kicking some dirt on them. 
He is working his tail off. He's definitely put on some muscle in the offseason. And, dude, if you're going to be a quarterback in the NFL for 10 to 15 years and you're going to have great success, you got to be able to handle some people throwing shade your way. Yeah, and plus you have to remember – I mean, everyone has to remember that injury used to be a career-ending injury, that dislocated hip and all that stuff. And, obviously, modern medicine, it's great that he played last year, but he almost didn't play at all. I almost thought it would be better for him not to play. Like, I don't think Burrow – they should rush Burrow back at all this year in Cincinnati. Like he totally blew out his knee and to rush him back with that shade of an offensive line, you got to, you know, think about your future and it takes time to come back from these injuries. Just because you're back in the field doesn't mean you're Tua, you know, against Georgia or your Burrow, you know, at LSU, you got to take, it takes time. No question. No <laughs> question. I think a lot of people took that out of context with Tua. Now, again, it may turn out that he's never the same player after the injury. I, I guess that was the risk when you took him at five. That was something they were trying to figure out. I expect him to be a lot more agile and mobile as this season goes along. But it's a big year for him, no doubt. And I'm not saying he's got to come next year and be a top five quarterback in the league. But he's got to be better than what he was in his rookie year. And, well, I think it's going to be very good for him in many ways that you're not going to have Ryan Fitzpatrick looming over his shoulder. Because, listen, I get the dynamic last year with the Dolphins. He was a veteran. You know, it's the idea of learning from the veteran. But having that guy who can come in and just let it rip, Fitzy, that's what Fitzy does, man. Like, he's done that everywhere. And remember, he knew Shan Gailey's system inside and out, playing it in Buffalo, playing it with the Jets, playing it in Miami. So, yeah, he's going to come in, even if he hadn't played in eight games, and he's going to be able to sling it. That, combined with, like, 18 years of NFL experience, you know, like, it's why people got so up in arms. Oh, how could you do this if you're four? I said, he's, first of all, he's trying to win games. Second of all, two is tough. He, he, he can handle it. He saw Jalen Hurts go in when he got hurt, and they won the SEC title game. He's a big boy. Grow up. That's life in the NFL. And you got to be able to deal with adversity, bro. Listen, if you can't handle that, then you know what? You're not going to be a good NFL quarterback. That's all. I couldn't agree. The Jets fans should know better than anybody. This stuff with Fitz, it's so up and down. Like he's been on nine teams. He's never made the playoffs. I, he's great, and it's not trying to bash him. It's just it always comes to a head with Fitzy, and it's like you Fitz want to – Fitz is going to Fitz, bro. Yeah, exactly. you want to move he's on. He's going to have games on. where he throws for 350 and yeah. three touchdowns and lights up. Then he's going to have a game the following week where he throws four interceptions and he costs you the game. That's you're riding the roller coaster. Washington will see that this year. He'll have some great games for him. He'll have one or two games where it's like, dude, what in the world are you doing? Yeah, no, I, I just think back and I, Bill Simmons brings this up all the time from like a betting perspective that Tampa year where Jameis got suspended for the first four games and he went to New Orleans the first day and he just lit them up for like 50 points. And then the Steelers on Monday night, everyone's like, oh, they're rolling. And then all of a sudden, it's the third quarter of the series game and just boom, four picks in a row. And just like, the worst interceptions I've ever seen. And it was like, oh, well, there it is. <laughs> the true, uh, the up and down nature. Fitz is going to fit, bro. When in doubt, man, <laughs> Fitz is going to fit. But I think for Tua not having him over his shoulder and having more of a traditional backup type in Brissett. And you know why I like Brissett there for the Dolphins? You got those short yardage situations. Don't let Tua go and take the hit. Let Jacoby Brissett, who's 6'5 and 260, go get a half yard. Fine by me. Um, in terms of the AFC East, obviously, you know, three pretty proven coaches almost at this point. 
all defensive guys, which is kind of interesting in an offensive league. You got four defensive head coaches to some sense with McDermott and Belichick and obviously Flores and Sala. What are your impressions of Sala so far? I know he's done, he, you know, he did his little media tour, you know, in the beginning when he got hired. And then obviously he has a good guy who's not going to give you many quotes, but do you feel like that's a real game? Like what's it, I put, I'll put it this way. What's it going to be a bigger game changer this year for the Jets? A new quarterback or having a new head coach established? Wow. Coach? That's a, that's a great question. It's a great question. I am going to say in year one, it's the head coach. Uh, obviously, the quarterback position is the most important position on the field. But, Will, I'm sure you probably feel this way. The Jets need a culture infusion. They need a guy who's going to go in there and demand accountability, win over the locker room, fire up guys when need be. Now, look, we've seen rookie quarterbacks. I don't care who they are. They're up, they're down, they're this, they're that. So I think for the Jets to kind of move forward as a program, Robert Sala coming in and making his mark and making an impact is what I'm going to be watching for more than anything this year. Because you even go back to Sam Donald's rookie year. It was a solid rookie year. I mean, listen, they didn't win a lot of games, but there were ups, there were downs, there were good games, there were bad games. You're going to get that with the rookie quarterback. I need to see that this team competes, that they're busting their butts, that they're playing for this head coach, and that this head coach has a plan and a vision for what he wants to do. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I guess in a, it's a hard question. This is something, you know, probably more so suited for the, after the draft, but obviously 17 game schedule, easy. Like they have the fourth easiest schedule in the league next year, although it's the Jets. I'm not, I'm not sure how easy any game is. Um, you know, they'll make, I'm sure they'll make the Lions game incredibly difficult and whatever. But what would your expectation be like just from the outset, like five wins and being competitive? Or do you think, do you think there's a chance they could be playing realistically competitive games after Thanksgiving? Maybe not for the playoffs, but at least competitive. Um, I think they'll be in a lot of games. I think you hit the five win barometer is probably a fair one. I think if they exceed that, you got to be absolutely thrilled. Um, they're going to be better than what they were last year. I mean, listen, I know that's an insanely low bar, but that's kind of the good news for Robert Sala coming in. They were an embarrassment last year. I know they played a couple of close games, but they were a dreadful, unwatchable football team that like the first like eight, nine weeks into the year, your only focus is, oh, how do we end up with the number one pick? How do we keep losing games and end up with Trevor Lawrence as our quarterback? Um, it will be better than that. I think they're a fourth place team in the division. I mean, I, I don't see how they're better than Buffalo, Miami, and New England. Um, but yeah, I think they'll be more competitive. And I think that's the ball, right? Quarterback grows, team grows. I'll tell you something else to watch for, Will. Them getting better as the season goes along. That's what I want to see. I don't want to see the Jets playing decent football first five weeks, and at the end of the year, they look like absolute crap. You know what I mean, dude? Like, I want to see them ascending. I'm not going to use the Miami comparison from two years ago where they were tanking, and then they won five out of their remaining nine games. Because I don't think their roster is as bare bones as what the Dolphins was two years ago. I think last year it was. 
I think last year was kind of that bare bones disaster type of a year. Um, so for me, go win five games, go be competitive. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And it's something that um, I spoke with uh, a couple of guys that I've had on podcast with. And I was like, Miami basically tanked, cut everything that was the talented roster, went to the playoffs with Gase. They got rid of everybody, the quarterback. They got rid of the entire Landry and Minka and all these guys, and they got better. And that just shows you, A, how good of a coach Flores is, um, but also just looking through a lot of the, you know, that's where you want to see the Jets. It's they've, They're one in 15 combined the last two years, the first eight weeks of the season. That's horrible. I mean, that's a dude. You know what that's that is? That's, unwatch, that's unwatchable. That's what it is. It's unwatchable. And I, I, that's such a low bar, but honestly, if the Jets are just watchable and they are competitive and the quarterback's playing encouraging, dude, a five-win season will feel like a 10-win season. Yeah, I was say, like, the, the best thing is, I was talking to my brothers about this, it's like, I just want to go into every game and convince myself there's a chance they could win. You haven't been able to do that. You know, it's not like you go in. Oh, all oh, the time. You're yeah, right you about that. Long time. Oh, we're playing the Patriots, but this guy's playing bad and we're playing well, whatever, so... Um, the Jets will be, you know, an interesting topic. Wanted to hit you with a couple of, you know, one Giants question. We talked about Tua and stuff like that. I feel like the Giants did what the Jets should have done 12 months ago, and they've surrounded Daniel Jones in this scenario where if he's bad, it's he's it's him. It's not the coaching. It's not the weapons, the O-line. The Jets kind of are doing now what they should have done 12 months ago with Corey Davis and, you know, all these different, you know, bringing an offensive coordinator that's good and all that type of stuff. A, do you think Jones is actually good? I don't, so I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm not a huge Daniel Jones fan. I just think you want to talk turnovers. The guy has some of the craziest turnover stats I've ever seen. Um, do you think he's good in B? Do you think the Giants – I feel like they should be competitive at least in a playoff spot because otherwise Gettleman's probably gone, so is Jones. Uh, it's a make-or-break year for Daniel Jones. Right now, am I all in? Am I sold that he's a franchise quarterback? Well, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Now – I have to be fair on this. Two years into Josh Allen's career, did I think that Josh Allen was going to make a jump in his third year where he ends up being a top five quarterback in football? No chance, dude. So I'm always like leery and hesitant until you get through that third year for me to be like definitive in saying yes, no, maybe, you know, if I had to put a bet on it, let's put it this way. Am I betting that Daniel Jones is a quarterback for the next 10 years with the Giants? No, I would not. I would not feel confident in making that bet. But I think you hit on something that's important. They go and get Kenny Galladay. They should go get another playmaker, I believe, in the draft. I know everyone's talking about offensive linemen. Go get another playmaker. Put it to a point where you say, all right, Saquon's back. Kenny Galladay's here. Maybe it's Jalen Waddle in the offense. No excuses. You are absolutely right. They need to be a far more competitive team. I'm not going to put a playoff mandate on it, but they can't be six and 10 and taking bows and pounding their chest that we had some great season. <laughs> Sorry. The NFC East is not that great. You got to be a lot better than that. And yeah, I think it's the make or break defining year for Daniel Jones. No question. I was just going to say the problem, the NFC East is like, if you look at the quarterback stacks coming off as bad of an injury as you're going to have Fitzpatrick Fitzpatrick and he's almost 40. I don't know what to make of Jalen Hurts. That and, team is good. Yeah. That team is good, though, in Washington. I yeah. like what they no, have their going. Their defense is awesome. They got Chase Young, who's a stud on the D-line. They have some decent skill position players. They're well coached. Fitzmagic might be good enough to get him into the playoffs, dude. Maybe this is the year he finally takes a team 
Although, listen, Dallas's offense is going to be loaded. I mean, that's that's the one thing with the Cowboys. But I'm sick and tired of picking the Cowboys as my team every year to, like, go deep in the playoffs. I'm done with that, dude. And the coach is a pro- – remember when all the Jet fans wanted Mike McCarthy to be the head coach? Mike McCarthy is so overrated. It's, it's actually comical how overrated he is. And it just goes to show you how just because you won a Super Bowl nine or ten years ago does not necessarily mean you can equate and you can win in the modern-day NFL. Yeah, and also, not for nothing, you know, Aaron Rodgers isn't exactly uh, some bum off the street that you took to the Super Bowl. He's, I mean, I think he's the most talented quarterback of all time. So um, that's one of my, like, I, you know, kind of my chest that I'm an Aaron Rodgers guy. But, no, the, the NFC East is interesting. I think the Giants are super interesting, too, because they kind of reestablished that culture. And the Jets have taken a lot of heat off the Giants. And, the, you know, their Jets are always going to take more heat than the Giants, obviously. It's the same way the Mets will take more heat than the Yankees. Um, but the Giants have been awful for a while now, too. And both, it's been disappointing. And I'm sure this it affects me. I'm sure it affects you. And having to talk about a lot of this stuff, other than the Yankees and what the Nets have been the last 36 months, I'd say, it's not been pretty from a New York sports perspective. But I feel, finally feel like we're getting to a place where the Giants have a good young core. They have a good head coach. At least we think he's going to be a good head coach. The Jets are going to have the number two pick, new head coach, new GM, new culture. The Yankees should win a World Series. We'll, we, I'm going to ask you about that in a second. The Mets just have the most, they're the richest owner in sports, right? You go through all these different things. The Knicks are exciting again. The Nets should win a title. So it's like finding New York sports feel back, but they're still like probably 12 months away from, I can firmly say, oh, New York sports are back. Yeah, they're moving in the right direction. Listen, again, it's like the Jets. The bar has been set so low. And dude, think about this. I've been doing radio here in New York for nine years i started this new project uh last week uh i think the yankees been in the playoffs a bunch but i've seen the giants in the playoffs twice i have not seen the jets in the playoffs i've seen the knicks in the playoffs my first two years and they've been awful ever since the nets finally have i would hope that brighter days are ahead bro but listen the bar is set so low i I think there's no way to go but up I'm going to, I just want to switch to the Yankees real quick because we both share a passion for the Yankees. I'm a Nets fan and I've been a Nets fan since they're in Jersey. So I know we don't share that, that uh, fandom, but A, am I wrong that I like just really dislike Aaron Boone as a manager? And B, can we stop resting guys three days in the season or am I just overreacting because last year was 60 games? And Well, I'll tell you the biggest problem right now. You, here's the issue. Aaron Judge can't stay on the field. I don't think the Yankees want to be resting Aaron Judge five games in. I think it's something's wrong and they're trying to prevent it and it's problematic. And it's why, listen, I love the guy. I think he's the future face of the franchise, current face of the franchise. The idea of giving him seven or eight years at big money is outrageous to me. I'm sorry. You cannot justify that if you can't stay on the field and if you can't produce. I need to see that from Judge this year. Uh, For Boone, listen, I think Aaron is a really nice guy. I think he's really good with the players. Do I love him in game? No, I, I, I don't. Um, I, I wouldn't say he is the guy that's holding the Yankees back from winning a World Series. I think it's far more the construction of the roster and the way they've built the lineup where they have just way too many of these same sort of dudes. But listen, if this team can't get to, I'm not even going to say win a World Series well. If they can't get to a World Series this year in what is to me a very watered-down American League, the manager, the core, a lot of the elements in play have to be called into question. Because you can't just keep running it back saying, 
oh, we'll get them next year. We'll get them next year. We'll get them next year. Well, sooner or later, you look up and it's like, well, six or seven years down the road, something's got to change here. Something's got to give here. Um, Yankees need to be in the World Series. You want to tell me they lose the World Series, so be it. They need to be playing in the World Series. Yeah, no, like if they lose to the Dodgers or somebody like that with that pitching staff, whatever, I, I mean, I'll be pissed, but I'll get it. It's crazy. I was talking about this the other day. 2017 was so exciting, right? And they rebuilt it so quickly after that 2016 trade deadline, the whole nine yards. But dude, that was a long time ago. Like that was almost five years ago. And now it's like you get boat raced by Boston in that series after winning game two, you come home, you play the New York, New York music in Boston, which was a feels like a terrible omen now looking back at it. And then 2019 sucked. We talked about that before. Last year, you lose to your own division rival. It's like after a while, you know, I'm kind of over the Aaron Hicks and Brett Gardner. Oh, we need a lefty there. Oh, cool. But you can't find any other lefty bat that's going to make contact and get on base than guys who are like, they're just not, they shouldn't be hitting three in the middle of a lineup that's got multiple MVPs level guys. It's just, it's tough. It's frustrating because it's like, feels like I'm complaining on such a different level. Like the Jets, you complain because they actually suck. The Yankees are obviously good, but it's frustrating, man. I don't know. My expectations are always World Series or bust. Maybe that's just the way. You know, no, listen, the last four or five years, they put you in that position. I mean, I don't think that's unreasonable at all. Now they got to get there. Bottom line, they got to get there. Yeah, no, it'll be interesting to see, obviously, you know, how the, uh, you know, the show comes together and how, you know, hopefully the sports continue to pick up and, you know, the talk, obviously that'll pick up and hopefully, you know, I'd love to get a Subway series at some point. I know you talked about this on Simmons pod. But... I don't know if I can handle that, bro. I don't know if my, uh, if the Yankees win, great. If the Mets win, I'm, I'm going out, I'm getting out of here. Uh, yeah, I'm going into I... witness protection right after I do that wrap up show. That yeah, day. I can't, I'll literally, I'll be, that, that'll, that'll be the, I, I'd rather the Yankees, I mean, the Mets, I mean, whatever. Sorry, I'd rather the Knicks beat the Nets and have to take like the humble pie of being a Nets fan and whatever, because people drop it after a week. If the Yankees lose to the Mets in the World Series, I, <laughs> nah, can't, Sorry, can't, handle, done. It. can't yeah, handle it. Can't handle it. No, obviously, uh, you know, we appreciate you, you know, coming on the pod and um, you know, talking about we talk, you know, obviously Dolphins, Jets, Daniel Jones, the Yankees, the whole nine yards. But um, make sure you know you guys check out new New York, New York show um on the Ringer Podcast Network. I think it's something that I genuinely think people will enjoy if you just like New York sports in general. It's it's a kind of a refreshing, it's like you're almost getting a talk radio and a podcast. Yeah, it's of- a common, I, I think that's a good way to look at it. It's a lot of the same elements, Will, that I've done for years on WFAN. And now it's a little more unfiltered. It's, you know, kind of a la carte. You listen whatever the hell you want. It's getting great support from, you know, the uh, the big bad uh, folks over at Spotify and The Ringer. So, yeah, I, I couldn't be happier about the first week. So, Got a lot more work to do. Got a lot more shows to do, but I appreciate that, bro. Yeah, no, definitely. Make sure you guys check that out. Give him a follow on Twitter, Instagram, the whole nine yards. You'll get good content. And, uh, you know, hopefully we'll we'll link up with, a, you know, Billy's in the next, in the next couple of weeks. And, uh, Attaboy. You know, I like it. Yeah, man. First, first round's on me, Will. You nah, got that, it, dude. Awesome. First round's awesome. on me. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for coming on, and uh, we'll talk soon. No worries, bro. Anytime.